I refuse to acknowledge an opening day where the Brewers don't win. No, Brewers fall to the Cubs yesterday. Four to nothing. Uh, the third inning is when it was all damage done. Brewers could have done something, but instead they uh, decided to come away with the bases uh, what loaded, but no runs. And then the Cubs came up and got her done. That was it, Rowdy. The third inning, four runs across the plate for the Cubbies. They go on to win six, or four to nothing with six hits to the Brewers' four. And it was a game, two hours and 21 minutes. How about that? How was your time at Deeks, dude, watching opening day? Yeah, I was going to say it had to be about two hours and 20 minutes. Not a long game, obviously. Uh... It was pretty quick one, and the, the Milwaukee offense. Yeah, no, not a whole lot outside of that one inning, and then uh, let's just hit into a double play. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee's offense uh, kind of picking up where they left off last year, and uh, they should have got a third hitting coach. A little disappointing for the crew. Uh, Marcus Stroman, though, uh, he was mounted down. Got a kind of a friendly strike zone for. Oh God! Uh, for Don't Marcus even get Stroman. me started. That was such BS. Stroman. The first three innings, Corbin Burns couldn't really settle in. He was fighting his own command. And Marcus Stroman was getting about two inches off the corner and about yeah. two inches low. What horse crap! Yeah, the uh, the strike zone for Stroman was pretty pretty big. Well, Corbin Burns not as much. Now uh, Burns, um, you don't have to fault him for all of it. Willie Adamas with a boneheaded play out there. Bryce uh, Terang. Bryce Terang. Hey, hey, Bryce Terang. First pitch, first hit. For uh, the kid, that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, the the defense for the Milwaukee Brewers not really the greatest uh, either. Again, though, it's one of 162 games, so strap in for the season, babies, because it is just getting underway. Not going today, as uh, it's going to be raining a bunch. They wasn't going to be playing today, anyways. And then they pick it back up tomorrow and Sunday down at Wrigley. Uh, but I don't know, Rowdy, a little disheartening uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday. I thought there were to be a little more pop in the lineup. Um, I know it's one game, but, I, I mean, Yelich kind of picking where he left off, too. Yelich sucks. Not the greatest. Yeah, like, I'm so, I, I told you, this is the last year that I'm ever going to put up with Christian Yelich. He sucks. It's like, how about all, like, the Brewers beat writers that try and sell you, you know, Yelly's back and blah, 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 when he hits a home run in spring or if he hits a home run in, for one particular game? It's like... First pitch, strike. First at bat, strikeout. Oh, yep. Here we're, we're back to 2020, 2021, and 2022 Christian Yelich. Again, one, literally one game of the season, but uh, if this is what it's going to look like, we're going to be in for the long haul. It's 161 games left, though. Uh, Milwaukee's limited to singles from rookie. Bryce Strang was talking about Willie Adamas, Brian Anderson, and William Contreras. Uh, it was also a tough day for Burns. I mean, was was it a tough day for Burns, Rowdy? I know it was a little a little tough, but how tough no, was I mean, it for Corbin? Corbin Burns there? was fighting his command. He didn't have his best stuff. Did he look terrible? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Did he look like Cy Young, Corbin Burns ace? No. No. But he was still serviceable. He was still solid. I mean, you look at those final numbers. I know that they gave an error for one, but when he was done, they had four runs on three hits. Now, I know he did walk three batters, but still, it's not a terrible start. And he definitely didn't have his best stuff. He didn't have his best command. You could see he was fighting his his command. He wasn't sp- uh, spotting the ball where he wanted it. And he didn't have a you know an extra two inches on the corner, an extra two inches low, like, uh, I don't know, Strowman did. Uh- Dave from Anona just hit me up. He says, one down, six to go until I uh, get my free lunch. Did you guys make a bet this year? Oh, he always tries to pull that stuff. Did you guys make a bet? I don't remember. Not re- not like seriously. Like he t- 
talked about it, but then again, did you agree to it or is it just Dave being Dave? It was more like, yeah, you know, we're going to bet on this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, Dave, I know you're listening. Uh, how do you see your side of the story with this free lunch and the Cubs versus the Brewers for the season series? Uh, Terang, how about Bryce Terang, though? The seventh player in franchise history um, to make his big league debut in the team's opening day lineup. And he got himself a nice little hit. Uh, that list also includes, uh, check this out for Bryce Terang. Terang, the seventh player in franchise history to make his big league debut in the team's opening day. That list includes Hall of Famers Robin Yount and Paul Molitor. What a list for Bryce Terang, Rowdy. <laughs> first pitch, first hit, too. Yeah, he made he made a dumb mistake, though. It, being a guy that, you know, first big league game, like you said, first big league at bat, first big league hit, he was trying to do too much out there and tried to get that runner that was a little off of first base, threw it into the stands, gave up another run. Yeah. Willie Adamas, I know his doesn't go down as an error, really. but That's dumb, though. Boneheaded being lazy and not throwing the ball across the diamond. Yeah, kind of was trying to get the guy out at second, was misjudging his steps, and when he could have just flung it over. I, I don't know. The game, though, it's uh, we'll see. Uh, there was there was some coolness about it all. I mean, Luis Arias had a really sick uh, snatch up the third baseline um, to save a run, but uh, I'm trying to think of some other cool. I also had a really dumb dive into first base. Yeah, the, and the, was that the last? Was that the end then of the they game? Said or he the came second up, day, last out. Yeah, one of the last outs. Yeah. Then they said he came up lame. Yeah, appeared to tweak his left hamstring, trying to beat out a comebacker in the ninth. You know what you never do going into first base? Slide. Yeah, unless they're trying to tag you. Yeah, you just run it out. Because yeah, and he would have been safe too. If you run it out, it's faster than literally trying to slightly stop and then fling your body forward. So run it out, but uh, let's see here. Council said we'll ju- we'll let him calm down just from the adrenaline stuff, and then evaluate his hamstring. So Luis Urias did come up a little little hobble, a little gimpy after flinging his body like Superman through the air. I don't know if he knocked the wind out of him a little bit too, but yeah, I mean Brewers Cubs, it's uh. Good for the Cubbies for getting it done. Um, I think at the end of the day, at the end of the season, though, you'll see the Brewers reigning supreme over the Chicago Cubs. Brewers, are, were they heavily favored? Yesterday? Yeah. No, I mean, they were favored, but not heavily. They okay. were minus 140. Okay. So there you go. Um, we'll see what happens as uh, Major League Baseball underway. Also, history made in that game yesterday. I'll explain coming up. History made. It could be coming on a sports trivia question down the road. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks get absolutely throttled last night. The Boston Celtics were unconscious, and the deer couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They got absolutely piss-pounded by the Celtics. It was uh, not pretty. 140-99. to It tied for their most lopsided loss of the season. 140-99. to Now, the Bucks still are uh, two games up on the Celtics for first in the East, but wow, that was an uh, ass-pounding of biblical proportions. Even at the end of the game, Adenakumbo got ejected. Did you know that, Rowdy? Which one? Thanasis. Exactly. <laughs> he headbutted Blake Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's see here. We have a new hockey coach for Wisconsin hockey. Barry Richter is going to join us at 7 o'clock. Can't wait to talk to Bear. And we, we got some uh, some Packers stuff today, all kinds of goodies. And Rowdy's, R- Rowdy's fighting, uh, fighting off a, a fun time at Deeks, right? I'm here. I'm here. He's here. He's here, folks. All right. 608-321-1670. So Brewers, Cubs. Um, and this is what happened. This is history made yesterday. 
Major League Baseball, who introduced the pitch clock this season to speed up the pace of play. And players have 30 seconds to resume play between batters, between pitches. Pitchers have 15 seconds with nobody on and 20 seconds if there is a base runner. So Christian Yelich was up to bat. Marcus Stroman was pitching. And for the first time in a regular season game in Major League Baseball, history made right here. Take a listen. Nope, I said take. Maybe, maybe not. His, his changeup today, and it's sometimes it's hard to read. Typically, the sinker's ninety-one, ninety-two. The splitter's like eighty-seven. We've got a pitch clock violation, um, Marcus. There you go. The first pitch clock violation ever belongs to Marcus Stroman, Cubs Brewers opening day. That could be a trivia question down the road. RJ, good morning. Morning. How are we doing today? Marcus Stroman's a loser. Well, he's a winner yesterday. That didn't count. <laughs> what did you do for opening day, RJ? I worked. You were here? Yeah. Did you go and get it going like Rowdy did yesterday? No. No? Kind of hard to at work. Well, I mean, there's a Bloody Mary bar. I didn't see it. Oh, man, you guys are really bringing it today. There's a lot of energy. A lot of energy coming from both these guys. Let's go. All right. Uh, please, 608 321 call in. Help me out. All right. So, Brewers, Cubs, I don't know. Is this in, it's not indicative of the season. It's one freaking game, but it was a little disheartening to see how the offense kind of just didn't get it going, like, you know, kind of picking up from last year. I mean, they did. You know, you get bases loaded, one out, and then two pitches later, immediately ground into a double play. That's... <laughs> We're in mid-season form right now. Oh, God. So, uh, the game, I mean, it was entertaining to say the least. The game is two hours and 21 minutes. I did enjoy that aspect of it, that it wasn't a three-hour game. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed the quicker pace of play. I'm not a fan of the pitching clock and all that stuff. I know you're not, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I didn't, honestly didn't notice it until the violation happened. It felt more like everything seemed to just move a little better. It's, It's actually... Easier to not notice it because yeah, they don't even bring it up. On yeah, the unless there's a violation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, it was one of those absolutely no clue that they were, you know, they weren't counting it down. They were like, oh, we're at eight seconds now. Yeah. Um, like, last year, I would be like, I'll, you know, I'd pull up from, like, the grocery store or the gym or wherever I was going. And then I'd be sitting in my car listening. I'm like, oh, listen to the, the half innings over. Then I'll go inside. And I ended up sitting in my car for like a freaking half an hour listening to it. And now, <laughs> yesterday I did it. I, I was listening on the radio. I pulled up. I was like, all right, I'm going to wait for the half inning to hit. And then I'll go in and turn on TV. And I was like, I was there for five minutes. It was like, boom, boom, boom. I'm yeah. like, damn, this is going quick. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those. I kind of paid attention to what inning we were at. And I was like, oh, we're only we're an hour yeah. in. We're already through like three and, a, and two thirds. And it's like, rolling, yeah, rolling, you, rolling, rolling. I, en- I enjoyed it. I was fighting it for a while. I, I mean, you can't, you can fight it all you want, but. They're not going to change it. Yeah. It was, I enjoyed it. I'm, like, gonna, I'm learning to like it. I, it. It's not even, like I said, I didn't even notice. I did. I, 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 if this is how the season's going to go with two hours and 20 minute games, two hours and 30 minute games, I'm, a, I'm, I'm digging it. I like <laughs> I it. I am in. What was the average for uh, yesterday? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to, uh, go via the research department on that. Uh, opening day come and gone. Opening day got the best of some people. And they got the worst to some people. Brewers fall four to nothing to the Chicago Cubs down in Wrigley. Zero and one to start the season. Pirates and Cubs 
sit atop of the NL Central. How about that? As uh, Corbin Burns took the uh, take the L. Uh, what's his ERA? Said a seven point two now. Ooh, but again, it's just one game. As the Brewers uh, couldn't get any runs across the board, and Brewers, by the way, making or I'm sorry, the Cubs and Brewers making history. It is the first pitch clock violation to ever happen in the regular season of um, MLB as Marcus Stroman got violated it uh, with Christian Yelich up the bat. So if you ever have sports trivia, that could be an answer to uh, keeping the mind of yours. Yeah, and Corbin Burns, like you mentioned him there a little bit, he didn't look sharp. He didn't have his worst stuff, but he clearly didn't have his best stuff. He was trying to fight through it. He was fighting his command the first three innings. Also didn't help that he didn't really have the strike zone that was afforded to Marcus Stroman. <laughs> no kidding. Stroman was getting everything off. <laughs> everything. A, at least a full ball length off the outside corner. At least a full ball length low below the knees. Are you ready to usher in ump? Uh, but, I, but I digress. But yeah, overall, you know, they had the one inning where they had the bases loaded. looked like that was going to be their opportunity to score. Hit into a double play. Other than that, the offense pretty quiet. But overall... I thought the one guy I was really well. There's obviously quite a few people that I was a little disappointed in with the game going the way that it did. But Willie Adamas, I mean, he's struggling. The throwing error, the mental error that technically didn't count as an error, where he just didn't get to second base on time, or I don't know, just throw it across the diamond and throw the guy out at first Mm -hmm. in the seat. Like the Willie Adamas mental error and actual error. Still cost Burns probably two runs. Yeah, like and and I know, like I said, he didn't have his best stuff. But it what he went five innings, gave up four runs, but really, it should have been two. Yep. Brewers probably should have lost two to nothing. But my other big question from yesterday's game, it's got to be Jesse Winker. Man, did he look bad, and man, he's hitting in the two hole. <laughs> he was whiffing at everything, Rowdy. He wasn't really doing much, was he? No, and he's batting second, and here's the thing. It's like I was actually kind of interested to see what, what the lineup was going to be when they came out. Obviously, that was released towards the end of our show. But Winker at second was the first thing that I just sat there and kind of scratched my head because, in my opinion, clearly Christian Yelich isn't a, a three-hole hitter anymore like he was in Leading off, Christian yeah, 2019 or even the two-three position, whatever. They like him at the leadoff spot. Well, then that really kind of changes things for uh, Garrett Mitchell, who's also kind of a guy that could hit the leadoff, maybe one-two-hole type hitter. I was hoping that he would be seeing Jesse Winker and then watching him bat and the fact that he struggled pretty bad in spring training just in general, that was tough. That was tough. Tough, tough, tough. But... One game of 162. Let's go to the phones. Oh, I was you were you were right there, just ready to go. Ooh, I do have a good stat here. Yeah, please. So we just had Dave Essler on around 7:40, and we were talking about you know some of the over a lot more overs, even with some of the bad weather and and the totals that they threw out there. Could that be due to some of the rule changes, like the lack of shifts or like you know bigger bases and blah 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 blah. Well, here's one for the stolen base comparison on opening day. Mm. In 2022, with you know the normal, what the normal size bases used to be, there were five stolen bases on opening day in 2022, and there were four caught stealing. Success really? rate of 56%. Wow. 
I did see uh, Wilson Contreras gunned on someone yesterday. Now, yesterday in 2023 with the bigger bases and the lack of times that a pitcher can throw over and, and just these rule changes in general, 21 stolen bases, only two caught stealing, 91%. Now, that's a very, very small sample size. Yes. But nine people attempted to steal a base in 2022 opening day. There were 23 Damn. in yesterday's opening day. And also, you can only throw over to first base, what, twice? Or you can only throw times? over to, to first base twice. Twice, yeah. Man. Uh, and, Wait, but, isn't that crazy? That is though, crazy. From 9 to 23, and granted, it's one day, one particular day. But still, day. that's huge. But the success rate, too, from 56% to 91. It's wild. And also, Brewers, Cubs yesterday, 2 hours and 21 minutes in the pitch clock era. Fade this up. Little Foo Fighters. It's the walk-up music of the one and the only. The pride of Wisconsin. Barry Richter. Good morning, Bear. How we doing, brother? Doing good, man. How you doing, Evo? It's Friday. Get to talk sports. Friggin' love my job. It's great to be here, Barry. Get to talk to you. Get to talk to my, my boys and my girls out there. Life is good, Barry. Life is really good, you know? Hey, how good was life right. for you last night watching the Bucks get shellacked by the Celtics? You were there oh, live, live in person. Oh my God! Well, I got to give a shout out to my boy Tim Hankey setting me up with tickets, and uh, we had a good time. But uh, other than man, I, I tell you what, Celtics—they punched him, punched him in the mouth. Yeah, the, punched him the, hard. the headbutted back, but it was too little, too late <laughs> at the end of that game. So, I mean, Barrett, I, when, I was already—I was on the highway when that was happening. Well, let me ask you. I mean, you bring up—you bring up a good topic, actually. Like, do you see the game out to the end no matter what? Like, I would have done what you did. I would have pieced out. If can be by 40, I would have pieced out, you know, to get a jump on the crowd. But I'm sure other people were. Or, Barry, do you also jump out of a concert early? Like, if, if you're at a, at never, a concert and you know, there's an encore, like, I haven't heard the songs I want to hear. You never jump out of a concert no. early? Never. Never do that on a concert. <laughs> <laughs> but the Bucks getting blown up by the Celtics, you got to get a jump. I'm sure there's other people leaving, though, right? Like, you were oh, the, you were the only one. Oh my God! No, there's traffic. Like, it's, I mean, we left like six minutes, five minutes left, and there's everyone was leaving. <laughs> everyone was leaving. Crazy. Um, Bill Michaels was there last night too uh, in attendance. I don't. So we'll, we'll we'll put the curse of the Celtics on Bill Michaels and not you, Barry, for being there. F- Pfizer form's awesome, though. You've seen some concerts great there, haven't place. you? No, I got to see a concert there. It looks like a great venue to see a concert. Very steep. Where'd you, steep where'd you see Ghost at? Oh, I've seen him Fort Milwaukee, oh, Milwaukee Green Bay, Rush Center. Still be here in Madison. Yeah, damn, I saw Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, I saw Tool at Pfizer. It was awesome. Um, all right, Bear, let's get into this, man. Um, <laughs> let's get yeah, let's get into the news, man. Yeah, Wisconsin. And this this is why Barry is on. I know, and Barry, thanks so much for uh, you know doing what you did last night and being able to hop on this morning. So Wisconsin hockey has themselves a brand new head coach. Chris McIntosh uh, introduced him yesterday. Mike Hastings, uh, this dude, uh, 25 seasons he's been coaching, a record that includes the last 11 seasons at Minnesota State. He's got eight NCAA tournament appearances, a pair of Frozen Fours, and a championship appearance. What do we think? Not a Wisconsin guy, Barry. What do we think of the hire of Mike Hastings? Uh, big splash by McIntosh. What a, what a great hire. I mean, uh, you know, obviously he got to prove himself when he comes in, but I, my phone was blowing up when I was rolling into Milwaukee, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And then uh, I, I was obviously driving, and and then I, I, everyone was just chiming in. A lot of hockey guys that I know, guys from out east that know the game of hockey, were just 
really excited for the hire for Wisconsin hockey. I mean, the, the, when people come out and they're just texting over and over, and especially when you have college coaches that I know that oh. that, that 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 are in the game, then they say, "What an awesome hire! Great guy!" And uh, so it, it it was definitely a big splash. Um, it sounds like he's just a, a per- perfect fit for Wisconsin hockey. Now, Barry you is. Know, and, and, as a Wisconsin guy, you know, we're all Wisconsin guys. You're a Wisconsin guy, obviously. Is it? Do you like the fact that they did not go with a Wisconsin, quote-unquote, Wisconsin guy? Well, I think they, they could have gone either way, right? There was really one other person that was in the mix, and that was Steve Rollick at Ohio State, and, and he's, he's, done, he's done a phenomenal job um, with Ohio State. I think he got to the Elite Eight, you know, this year, top eight. But uh his name was in the mix, and other than that, there's a couple others. I mean, Andy Brandt is still there as, as an assistant, so yeah. that remains to be seen if he's going to stay. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's it, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, women's volleyball, it, it doesn't need to be a Badger. It needs to be someone that 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 is part of the culture, part of Wisconsin. Um, you know, that that has that type of mindset, and and he does. He's he's, he's going to be a hard nosed coach. I mean, he's going to flip the switch here in terms of holding the kids accountable. Um, you know, working hard off the ice, working hard in the classroom. And that's not just coach speak. I know everyone says that, you know, <laughs> in the classroom, on the ice, all that stuff. This is, from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing of uh, Mike Hastings, is that he definitely puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, Barry Richter joining us right now. So Minnesota State Bear won 20 games in a season twice during its first 16 years of NCAA Division One play. Surpassed that mark, though, in all 11 seasons of Hastings' tenure. Uh, getting it done, man. MSU set a school mark with 38 victories during its run to the 2022 NCAA uh, championship game in its third 30-win season in a four-year stretch. How fast? Uh, I, I know this is all conjecture right now, and as, as the dust still settling, but how fast can Wisconsin turn it around, do you think, under Mike Hastings? I mean, I it's obviously accelerated with the portal. I mean, that, that, there's no doubt about that. But uh, the hockey portal is not as much as the basketball portal is, and, and, and leveling the playing field a little bit like that. He has said, number one, he's got to he's got to come in and just learn the players and the current team. He's got to learn the roster. He's got to learn the incoming class. He's got to understand, you know, what the team has to offer. And, and of course, the portal will play a little bit. But I, I'm not going to throw you know huge expectations for the first year to come in and just flick this thing around, but I will see, we'll see uh, a hard working team, a team that is the uh, very, very physical and um, be exciting to watch uh, the team over the course of, if he keeps with the same recipe, which I'm guessing, which is the college hockey recipe of whoever wins is the players are a little bit older and uh, you know, those kinds of players that have a little bit more, now, that being said, there's going to be definitely some offensibility here, too. I'm not going to say it's not just going to be dumping out and mucking and grinding either. But he will definitely hold the kids to a higher standard and play a fast-paced hockey. So, Bear, um, you know, I, I was curious on this, thinking about it. You know, your dad, Pat Richter, um, and now Chris McIntosh kind of making his mark as athletic director. Is, uh, you know, from your personal experiences with your dad, is there like a – I'm sure there is, but like a – not not a worry, but a pride you, like your dad would carry around on, like the, I've made a change for the better in Wisconsin hockey or the Wisconsin University, kind of like maybe you know Chris McIntosh is. There's there like a is there a sense there like for the athletic director like man I really got to do right otherwise it's on me. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, uh, you know, Mac it was a former you know player here. I mean, yeah. he was on the Rose Bowl teams. I mean, he's 
he bleeds bad to red. So, I mean, you, you talk about what Sickle has done and just the, the 100 days of Luke Sickle and looking, seeing what's going on there. I mean, there's, there's definitely some moves here. And it's sort of, you know, one parallel to maybe my dad, you know, the basketball team, bringing in Stu Jackson. We all knew the, the basketball team maybe need a little bit of injection of energy. And then when he brought Stu Jackson in, that really turned uh, things around for the program, uh, even though he was only here two years. And I think everyone knew that he was only going to be here two years. It definitely put Wisconsin basketball on the map and, and, and the rest of the sort of history there from the, some of the coaches yeah. that followed Steve Jackson. But, you know, Mac is, I mean, these, these are really good news. I mean, it's, it's, he's not, you know, delaying on things. I mean, it's, no. it's actually, it's sort of really exciting to see as a, as a fan that, um, he's going out and, and definitely, you know, making a mark for was it Badger Athletics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just back to, you know, Mankato in general. And I mean, I remember when they were in the WCHA and, you know, it, it was when the last, I think his first year was the last year before Minnesota and Wisconsin left for the big 10. But I mean, he came around and took a 12-win team to 24 wins and in one season and finished fourth when you still had Minnesota, Wisconsin, Denver, CC, North Dakota, Duluth, and everybody who'd pretty much jettisoned to either the National Hockey Conference and the Big Ten. But it like it, it's one of those, you see the transformation he did at sit uh, at Mankato and like it's one of those it's hard to explain to people who don't follow hockey but Mankato was a doormat <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> it, it's just absolutely yeah. the you mean all of their tournament appearances except one happened under him in the nine of their eight and it's just crazy to me to even I mean when you left the WCHA I stopped following them but you know, it, it's kind of crazy seeing the success he's had at a cellar dweller in the WCHA to what they are now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at his pedigree. I mean, you look at not, not only, you know, he's coaching World Junior mm-hmm. in the Team USA. Is, I mean, uh, he coached in the USHL, was very successful before he went to Mankato and did that. Um, so he, he knows the game of hockey. And so... When when you look at uh, what he when you sort of read what's going on and, and what the badges were looking for and uh, I mean he wasn't leading I mean they, the people are going after him at Mankato State mm-hmm. and uh, he did not leave but he came out and flat out said listen to, you know Wisconsin hockey I mean so so to yeah. me that is a perfect culture fit when he he leaves for this type of job that he knows that that you know. There's something there, right? There's some, this is a special place, and, and we got to get in back to some old school Badger hockey where everyone's proud of. Well, Bear, I'm, for, for you personally, man, as a guy that's seen success big time with the Wisconsin Badger program, how's it feel as an alum uh, getting a little new life injected? You, you jacked up? You stoked? Oh, very, very happy. I mean, for the for the program to get a little, you know, changing going on here. I mean, obviously Tony and, and Marco Siki, friends of mine, those guys have done a lot right for the community mm-hmm. and, and i know marco siegel's got casting for kids coming up here in may um to help out the children's hospital so mm-hmm. wonderful guys and it's just the way you know sports is whether it's college or pro i mean uh, so to, to have hastings come in um to see the text that i got like i said from hockey people around the nation 
you know, I don't know him personally. I don't know Mike Hastings personally, but when I when I see the text from my friends in the hockey world and, and hearing what they have to say, it, it makes me feel really good that he's going to come in here and, uh, and and everyone's going to be proud of what uh, he's going to put on the ice for, for Wisconsin. There, besides his, besides his introductory press conference, I think up next for Barry Richter or Mike Hastings is he's got to break bread with Barry Richter. He's got to come over. <laughs> you know, he's got to bring like a bottle of wine, like you know, so an offer. He can be like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, Bear. I'm ready. Maybe you guys go to a concert together, you know, break the ice. What do you think? You down? We know we know another hockey guy that'd like to break bread with wine and go to Wisconsin. Yeah, too, like, make make it happen. Let's go. I'm ready, Barry. You get st- yeah. You tell him I'm ready. All right, Barry. Before let you go, man. Uh, we haven't talked to you um, since this happened. But how about the women's side of things? Women's hockey, dude. Badgers beating the Buckeyes. Ohio State one nothing after beating the number three, the number two, and the one teams in the country to make a run after barely getting in. How cool was it to see Mark Johnson get another one? Seven time national champions. Oh man, I'm so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you know that was, that was just phenomenal. What Mark Johnson did with the uh, the hockey team. I mean, they were very very young. Uh, they had a lot of young players, and I believe all freshmen scored about thirty thirty three percent of their points this year. And so they were never expected. You know, they had an average season, but they're they were definitely moving in the right direction at the end of the end of the season and then the playoffs and everything. So. I was super happy for Mark. I mean, he's such a legend for Badger hockey, and to see this the seventh national championship to come in and to beat you know he beat Minnesota in the semis, and then to beat Ohio State, who was you know one of the top teams in the nation all year long. Hats off to him. I mean, this is this is a great great win. There's nothing better than winning when no one expects you to win. And they had a very young team, and he did it. So, Hell yeah. congrats to Mark Johnson, women's hockey team. Awesome. That's just awesome. They're only, I mean, they're young, so it's going to be a good couple of years here. Yeah, totally. And, Bear, uh, I know you texted me earlier this week. He's like, I can't wait to hear you guys break down the NIT of going nine minutes and seven <laughs> seconds while scoring a basket. What does Barry Richter think of uh, <laughs> a team going nine minutes and seven seconds, the Badger basketball team, <laughs> losing in the NIT of yeah. scoring a bucket for that stretch? Well, it's a good thing I recorded it, so I didn't have to go through all the, <laughs> you just uh, fast forward. the commercials and everything. So I fast-forwarded uh, through all the hoopla. So it was exactly nine minutes and seven seconds for me. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a tough, tough stretch. Because I wanted to go to the championship. I'm a Badger fan, right? Yeah, but, yeah. And they just, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. And I think it sort of uh, epitomizes maybe the season for the boys that they just couldn't get it going, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's about all I can say there, man. (laughs) You're too kind, Barry. You're too kind, my man. Barry, we love you, man. Thanks so much for hopping on. And uh, sorry the Bucks couldn't really get it done for you last night, but at least you got to jump on some of the traffic, you know? Yeah, I appreciate Evo and boys, RJ, Nelly. Is Nelly awake over there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. He's there. All right, Rowdy. All right, Rowdy. We'll see you. Hey, see you guys. See you, Barry. Good stuff, brother. Have a good weekend. (laughs) I got Barry Richter. Really going on today, so why there's would you? a few games out there on Friday. In the in the minute little amount of games, do you have anything cooking? Um, no, it's too early um, to to really go ahead and and with confidence. I mean, bet these things. I mean, last night when the Dodgers played Arizona, everybody everybody I know was on Arizona, and I got thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I should probably do that. And now that never ends well. And the Dodgers kicked the crap out of Arizona. So, you know, I tend to get way more patient in these early seasons where you really just don't know. I mean, I I, I wasn't able to keep, keep up with, with what free agents went where. So, 
It's gonna be one. It's gonna be one day at a time. Well, that's a good point, Dave. You're you're talking about how rosters obviously change, and baseball is probably the biggest sport that is driven by analytics and statistics. And early on in a baseball season, it's probably the hardest to bet because you don't have the statistics or analytics to go off of that you do by say June. Oh, totally. Totally agree with you. I mean, in the beginning, I tend to take a lot more underdogs because they're way, uh, you know, it's priced wrong. I mean, you know, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, the whoever's of the world, they're always going to be more expensive than they should be, even if you did have analytics. And, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, yeah, they're going to suck, but there's been some years they've come out and played 500 ball for the first six weeks mm-hmm. and uh, probably been one of the most profitable teams to bet on. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope. It's a delicate science, Dave. So, Dave, I know we talked about this like months ago where I said, you know, do you think that there's going to be more overs early in the season due to some of the changes that they've made with the pitch clocks, the lack of shifts, and, you know, kind of all the rules I was just kind of scrolling through, and there were some higher-scoring games yesterday. I don't know if that was something you were looking at, though. Yeah, I mean, the jury's still out. Um, I mean, you also have um, the bases are bigger and only being able to throw to first base twice. You know, you might find that, um, you know, Rowdy Tellez leads the Brewers in stolen bases come September. I don't know. Um, but is it too... Just too many variables, you know, juice ball, no juice ball. I mean, there were more overs yesterday than you would typically see on opening day, um, especially because of a lot of the chillier temperatures. The ball doesn't carry well, but, you know, I'm not going to take a one-day sample size yeah. and, and and put tonight's dinner on, on it. Dave, if Rowdy Telez at the end of the year is leading the Brewers in stolen bases, I'll personally clear up my bank account and give it to you, okay? How much you got? <laughs> we'll find out at the end of the season. Hey, Dave, let's do uh, March Madness, little NCAA, uh, you know, Final Four, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. Uh, three points going to San Diego State. What are we thinking, David? Yeah, I mean, that was only two at one point. Uh, and uh, a very expensive, popular uh, betting service released. San Diego State, and that will move the line, so it jumped up to three. But I like Florida Atlantic here. I mean, okay, yeah, I know San Diego State plays defense, but, um, you know, yeah, they shut down Alabama and Creighton, but um, what they did with those two teams was really slow them down to a pace that was comfortable for San Diego State. And I, and I think Florida Atlantic has already proven they can, they can win either way. I mean, they beat Memphis, I think, they're the fourth. Uh, fastest team in the nation, and they beat Tennessee, who not only tried to slow them down, but has a better ranked defense than San Diego State, so I'm not buying it. I will take the Owls from Florida. Does it worry you a little bit that they're moving to you know, a football stadium in Houston, sight lines, eye lines are going to be different for shooters, and FAU relies a lot more on that three-point shot as they shoot like nearly 36% from three? Yeah, it probably would have, but it didn't in the in the first four games. So I'm I'm gonna just go. Hey, you know it's different for San Diego State too. I mean, yeah. I know they're not a three point shooting team, but you know 
I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I mean, you can't have everything or I would have bet all of Ebo's money on it. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I think, That's only for Rowdy Telez, Dave. Enough. That's only for Rowdy Telez. Come on. All right. Well. How about this? I, I, yeah. Well, I wanted to go to Miami UConn now, Dave. We're uh, uh, UConn five and a half favorites. What do you think? Yeah, is that too easy or what? I don't I mean, know. You tell me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take I'm going to take Miami and hope it gets to six because they've only lost one game by more than six points all season. No, maybe two. I think they lost to Duke in the ACC tournament by seven, which was probably free throws at the end. And I think they lost to Maryland by about three touchdowns back in November, but. Um, every loss in between, well, there's not that many. Only five of them have been like by three, two, one, overtime. I mean, yeah, I know Connecticut has done what they've done, but if you look under the radar, Miami has too. I mean, they haven't really had a close game. And, and, and they beat the number two team. They beat the number five team. So who's to say they can't stay close with UConn? I mean, I mean, that's a, you would think that would be a bigger number if it was the casual fan. So I will take, the Miami of Florida Hurricanes. Yeah, that was one that I also uh, gave out this morning, and it was basically my reasoning was everybody thinks Connecticut's going to win. I haven't heard one person talk about Miami or anything like that, yet with everybody being on Connecticut, this line hasn't moved at all. Oh, absolutely true. I mean, it's... uh... You know, and, and I'll tell you another thing. This is, you know, you can't really take this to the bank, but five and a half, the number five and a half always seems to be, or even five, uh, a very difficult number to cover. Um, I don't know why, but whenever I see a five or a five and a half mentally going back a decade, I always just don't play the favorite. I don't know what it is. You're scared of the number five, uh, Dave. I get it. Okay. I am. I am. It's a thing. It happens in Florida. We we think differently than other people, so yeah. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather you know here's the here's the here's the uh, not uh, positive expected value statement of the day. I'd rather lay six than five. <laughs> David, you're so, you funny sob. Hey, what are you doing this weekend, man? What do you got? What do you got going going on besides you know I don't know watching some Final Four action? What do you got going? Well, I might go to the driving range and try to work out a few things. And I'll probably go to church, and then I'll sit around and see how much money I make betting the Valero Open. Oh, ooh, yeah. Were you a little uh, fog? Kind of made them uh, made them kind of scared yesterday, Dave. You wouldn't you wouldn't be scared away by no fog, would you? Wouldn't you just golf right through it? No, that's what you have caddies for. They go find it. <laughs> yeah, no um, kidding, right? Go get it. What are we paying no, for? I would. Um, I would uh, actually. That would work out good for me because. A lot of the guys that were supposed to play yesterday in the afternoon when it was going to be really windy didn't. So they'll play most of their round this morning. And I had a lot of guys that teed off late yesterday. So I'm looking at that as a, I'm looking at that as a win for me. You getting jazzed up for the Masters coming up, Dave? No. No? I mean, well, here's a couple things. Everybody and their brother will ask me to do a podcast on the Masters. And... That's oh. okay, but then well, then some of them cancel cancel at the last minute. Rowdy would never cancel on you. Know. No, and and uh, then you've got everybody wanting to bet a lot of money on the Masters. It's like on the Super Bowl. It's a dollar, is a dollar, is a dollar. Here's my best bet for the Masters, Dave. Tiger Woods not to win the 
2023 Masters. I'll put all well, see, of Debo's bank that, account that, on that, it. Again, that's, that's only safe for Rody Telez. Well, that's the thing. It's tough to find those. Books are offering to win, yes, at prices that there's no chance, and they're not offering a no. So I don't bet in those one-sided markets. <laughs> Dave, I hope you work out all the kinks of your game at the driving range, and no fog will scare you away. And um, there aren't many. There aren't many. I mean, you're a you're a premier golfer, Dave. You're a you're almost a perfect specimen. So I get it. I understand. I feel your pain, Dave. Hey, the, 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 at the at the at the doctor yesterday, the the little RN there said I had the vitals of a 25 year old. <laughs> Dave, you don't look at age. You don't look at over 25 either. Handsome son of a bitch. No, I picture which I just told her, well, you know, and the mind acts that way as well. So that's all, <laughs> all that matters. Uh, Dave, I hope don't, you're, I hope don't you're bring me, don't, bring me to, don't bring me to a Badger football game. <laughs> yeah, Dave, can you drink like a 25-year-old? Um, if I have to. All right, well, we'll see uh, uh, week one for Badger season, right? Or put it on your calendar, June 24th, the yeah. zone yeah, June 20, scramble. June 24th, I remember the yeah, date. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Matt LaFleur, Mr. Eyebrows himself, talking a couple days ago at the NFL's annual meeting. And LaFleur said, I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, LaFleur. We don't need everyone to be talking about Rodgers nonstop. Uh, talking about Jordan Love, though, one J Love. And uh, we covered this a little bit uh, throughout the week about you know expectations of him compared to Rodgers, yada, yada, yada. But uh, LaFleur talks about... Not comparing him to Rodgers, but the progress that he's made the past three years in Green Bay. Take a listen. Yeah, well, it's, he's come a long way, quite frankly, because um, I know there were some times where early on it's just – and I, I still think you have to go out there and you got to do it consistently. And it's one thing to do it in practice. It's another thing to take it to the game field. But certainly have seen uh, just his performance in practice, his mechanics, his, his decisions – um, his his timing in the, within the past game, and I think just his accuracy, which is what we always are grading the quarterback on. I think he's he's come a long way, and I think uh, you know it's a credit to a lot of the coaches like Hackett and Getze, and then um, certainly Tom Clements has had a huge impact on him, and that's one of the reasons why we we brought Tom is because he's got a history of developing quarterbacks, and I think that you've seen that. Uh, I would say we've seen that in practice over this last year that that gives us some confidence in him. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers was uh, one of the things he wanted back was Tom Clements, and he you know says Tom Clements helped him develop into the quarterback that he is today. And now you have him doing it with Jordan Love as well. So I, I remember last season people like bagging on uh, Tom Clements and and him being like the the yes man for Aaron Rodgers. He's good at what he does. Look at his quarterbacks. Uh, now what will the Packers' offense look like? With Jordan Love at quarterback, going to be a little different with no Rodgers. Here's the floor. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's going to be a work in progress, quite frankly. And I think, you know, we're going to have to be very intentional about what we ask him to do. There's going to be a lot of uh, new pieces. You know, when you lose guys like Alan Lazard and, and Robert Tunyon, um, for certain, uh, you know, there's that's just you got to find people to to supplement those roles and so I think you know our whole offense you know we'll, we'll have a little more clarity once we get through the draft and on who's going to be on our roster and uh, certainly I think we're a long way from from the start of the season and, and who exactly is going to be out there the 11 that are going to be out there but 
um, you know, I just I, I, it's going to be a good it's going to be a fun process for all of us. Uh, fun process, also temper expectations. Lafleur says, and then you know everything people wanted to bag on Rodgers was about was like, well, you know, we never got to see what the offense should have ran. Like Rodgers is out there changing plays, you know, big up in uh, big Dean Lafleur, yada yada. yada. Lafleur was asked, will fans be able to see the offense? He was hired to run with Aaron Rodgers uh, out of the way he wants it to be. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I just I think every year is a different year, and you're constantly trying to change. If you do the same stuff that the defense sees year in and year out, they're going to catch up to you. You know, I, I think there's a lot of room for growth within our offense, within our scheme. And, and you know, this has been a, a great period of time this whole offseason to study a lot of other trends in the league, other teams that have had a lot of success and uh, probably steal a little bit from some other teams. And, uh, you know, the, you always lean on the guys that uh, – that you're familiar with and you got a lot of trust in and if they're not in the same conference or division then you can talk some ball with them but uh, yeah it's going to be a fun process and and we're kind of getting that going right now in terms of what it is that we're going to have you know when our guys come back in in, you know a few weeks what we're going to install. And the floor kind of dancing around the question a little bit right there. Doesn't want to give too much away. Uh, he continues on to talk about Jordan Love, you know, knowing the, the reaction that Love has got to know that he's the starting quarterback now for the Packers. I think he's excited. You know, I think he's excited about the opportunity. I think, you know, going in there last year, particularly against Philly and having some success, uh, gave him some confidence, and that's what you want. And we're going to have to try to do as, as, as much as possible to – have some early success and understand that there's there's going to be adversity along the way there always is no matter if you're a third year player fourth year player or a 18 year player so um the thing that i was optimistic about and that i really like to see is when he went in that game versus philly you could tell he was he had so much poise and i thought that was just a big jump from when you saw him last versus Kansas City. I'll never forget the pass that he had, and I know our guy J.A. Krebs uh, has got it as his, I think it's his Twitter profile picture now, one of our great listeners, of Jordan Love sticking his tongue out like he's Michael Jordan and what hitting Christian Watson with the pass against the, <laughs> against the Phillies. And one of our lot of callers, Brett, just called it a little bit ago, when you're talking about backup quarterbacks uh, for Jordan Love, and said, bring in Matt Ryan. A uh, little, little strap for cash on that one. Danny Etling is there. Uh, LaFleur asked what kind of quarterback would you like to see be brought in to mentor Jordan Love for a backup besides that I think you can go a couple different ways with it to be honest you you can try to get a veteran in here that's done it it's always important obviously just the relationships within that room but I think it's important for a quarterback to have another quarterback and player to lean on um, in in some of those times especially when you're going through a little adversity so I think you can go that route. If you fall in love with somebody in the draft, you can, you can draft a young guy. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I've been a part of a lot of different quarterback rooms. Uh, you know, so I, I just think you got to try to figure out and, and get the best guy available. So Ooh. I know I didn't really answer your question. but um, <laughs> Did you see some of the tweets that came out yesterday with – pictures of one of the Packers scouts out there at uh, Anthony Richardson's workout. Yeah, you were showing me. Could you imagine if Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur draft Jordan Love in 2020 
trade Aaron Rodgers in the winter of 2023 and draft an Anthony Richardson in the spring of 2023. I think Packer fans would then officially riot. Uh, I would totally be here for it. Would they? Would they go after another quarterback, Brownie? Like, <laughs> I mean, he said it right there. I mean, maybe it's a a veteran. Maybe it's uh, in the draft. Would Where, you rather have the Packers take a draft pick, their first draft pick, the fifteenth overall, and take Anthony Richardson, or would you rather have them sign like a Joe Flacco, <laughs> Super Bowl champ, baby? Well, I mean, you've literally upset the apple cart with Jordan Love. You might as well see this one through. So I. <laughs> Get a veteran to back him up, but no, if they take an Anthony Richardson, uh, they should know NFL teams are enamored with him. Uh, the Seahawks are his floor, is uh, things I was reading about here. Uh, several teams enamored with him, uh, with Richardson's talent and his floor in the draft could be the Seattle Seahawks at number five overall. Man, that guy was like a fringe first round pick before all the underwear Olympics started. Mm-hmm. Um, Packer fans would riot. I'd be like, what is Brian Gutekunst doing? Why is he getting another quarterback? You would basically say that they wasted the first round pick in 2020 on love. Yeah. And once again, didn't get Aaron Rodgers any weapons. Yeah. And then also pissed off Aaron Rodgers and off he went to go to the New York Jets. Um, I guess they wouldn't. You'd have to get that they pick, can, though. They can't go, they can't go quarterback, right? Well, I, I would put a lot of money they wouldn't, but it'd be hilarious if they did. Um, they do need one, though. They need a backup. There's no way you would t- put your eggs in the Jordan Love basket, then they just go dip into. Anthony Richardson. But again, I'm not an NFL gym. If you want to go uh, to High V in Green Bay, and I've seen this around a bunch of other places as well, you can get yourself Aaron Rodgers gear at minimum 50% off. Everything is clearance must go. Why? Well, he's going to be a Jet. And you have Jordan Love coming into fruition now. Now, Rowdy, something, uh, you know, what did you say? They have enough money to get maybe a one veteran? Yeah, looking looking at their current cap situation, it would be like they had enough money to sign like one vet minimum type deal where the very minimum amount of money would go towards the salary cap. So there's clearly still work for the Green Bay Packers to do before training camp or mini camps even start. How much stock you put in the Christian Watson and uh, Romeo Dobbs baskets here? These going to be the guy. I mean, they're going to have to be. To kind of bring us into the, the new era? Well, if they're not good, well, <laughs> better look out, man. They better be drafting someone. But yeah, look out. it's like Christian uh, Christian Watson. I mean, he showed a lot of promise, right? He was the super athletic, tall, lanky. That was his profile. But it, there was a lot of the other things like can he has concentration drops? Can he catch the football? Can he can he learn a bigger route tree? Uh, can playing at North Dakota State, he's going up quite a bit in competition. He kind of answered him when he was healthy. Uh, you know, once he got healthy by the middle of the season, like he looked pretty decent. But yeah, it was it, you saw flashes. Yeah. Romeo Dobbs, same thing. He was actually came in, was lighting everybody up in the minis and training camps, but. Then he got to the season. He looked pretty solid. He was actually the number one receiver, you could argue, over Christian Watson before he got hurt, and that was kind of coincided with Watson also getting hurt. But, yeah, Dobbs came in, played pretty well. You'd like to see what they could have done if they were both healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt LaFleur asked about the rookie seasons you know, of Dobbs and Watson, both not healthy the entire time, right? It would have been nice for Aaron Rodgers to have uh, some health for not only himself, but his wide receivers. Here's um, a new era coming in. Jordan Love's going to be tossing the ball. Here's uh, LaFleur and Dobbs and Watson. 
it was definitely an experience. Uh, there were some highs and lows with both of those guys, quite frankly, throughout the course of the season. I think, you know, once we hit that Dallas game after those two drops, Christian really took off. Obviously, you can see the explosive playmaker that he is and what he's capable of doing. And But there's a lot. I'm just excited for to, to watch him grow as just his understanding in the offense. He is a guy that can handle a lot. I've been, I haven't been around too many rookies where you could move him their position in game and he wouldn't even flinch. So he is exceptionally just intelligent, right? Knows the plan inside and out. But I think there's a, a, a level of detail that is going to get better with him, uh, and and we're going to be quite frankly, we're going to ask him to run probably more routes than we did a year ago. Um, and then Rome, I thought Rome started off great, and then he got injured, and I, I don't know if he ever quite got back to what we had seen early in the year, but I expect to see that when he comes back. I think Rome is, this guy, uh, I think I mentioned it when he first got here, it, just his routine, uh, how committed he is. I mean, he's one of the first guys in the building, one of the last to leave, and um, I think he's got a unique skill set. He, he's a unique set of skills. Like got, I don't want to. I want to be. I want to temper these uh, this comparison here, but he's got some Devonta Adams type movement skills. Oh. Now he's got to learn to when to use it and how to harness that. And um, but he's got that twitch that you're looking for. So I think I don't think there's a route that he won't be able to run. We're just going to have to give him enough reps that um, where, where he can continue his progression. I think, you know, one play that stuck out in my mind is, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember that throwback that he caught versus um, the Dolphins. I mean, it was just an exceptional route. Just He's just so sudden and explosive in and out of his break. Um, a great hands catcher. And, yeah, I'm excited about both of those guys. Just, you know, a one-two combo. And hopefully we're going to have to add to that room and some of these other guys are going to have to step up. Matt LaFleur says Romeo Dobbs has got some Devontae Adams in him. That's some high praise right there. That's awesome. And one of our callers, Dwight Love, he said Christian Watson is the second coming of Randy Moss. I think he called him Randy Moss's uh, son. He did say that. <laughs> so we got the second coming of Randy Moss and uh, little Devontae Adams and some Romeo Dobbs. High praise. Man, I there's praise. no way Jordan Love can stink. Right? Hell, um, I heard so. Who said this? Oh, who someone said this that it wasn't Aaron Rodgers winning the MVPs the final two years is because of the, the, the essentially Devonte Adams made Aaron Rodgers in the final two MVP years. Yeah, that's a tough scene. Who said that? I think I heard it on a Willie Mike show. How come? Who said that? How come Devonte Adams didn't make his buddy Derek Carr better? Uh, he went to. Basically had to part ways with the Raiders. Who did I hear say that? I think it was Bill. Was it or was it on Bill's show? I think it was. It was until I was a ten and two. I think someone said that Devonte Adams made Aaron Rodgers in those final two MVP seasons. I don't know about that one because Rowdy, I didn't point to what you just said. Well, how come Derek Carr got essentially kicked off the Raiders? And he was, you know, the Jets. Wasn't it the Jets that had the meeting that thought uh, <laughs> Derek Carr could be a Hall of Famer? Yeah. I mean, Bring him to the Super Bowl, be a Hall of Famer. Devontae Adams called him a Hall of Famer when he was talking about both Carr and Rodgers. He did. But Devontae couldn't make him any better to where the Raiders actually wanted him. No. <laughs> they actually were playing Jarrett Stidham down the end of the they stretch were. over him. Ah, the revisionist history. I love it.